KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company. Schleider Painting, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday. Hello, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Good weather, a little warm, uh, sunny, all those things that happen in the middle of the United States. Welcome aboard. Two hours, the CAMOX or Helitech Home Improvement Show. Two full hours, 10 phone lines, your questions, your answers. I've got a bevy of guests with me throughout the uh, two-hour time. I'll tell you about that in just a bit. My name is Scott Mosby. I am at your service, 22 years here since this seat. Think of me as the phone operator, uh, the answerer of questions, the questioner for answers. When I get stumped, just don't know the answer. Everybody doesn't know everything. I turn to the pros out there in the field in the CAMOX listening land and the family of CAMOX, which we all are together. Phone lines for you. I promise they work. They do connect through the miracle of modern telephones and radio. 314-436-7900-436-7900. That's anywhere. 314-436-7900. And then toll-free anywhere in the CAMOX listening area, which is the entire globe through Internet, 800 925 1120 Again, we've got two full hours. We're going to talk about design, foundations, servicing all the things around your home, getting that air conditioner serviced. Yep, you know, change the filter, all those sorts of things, getting your thermostat working, and your house comfortable, safe, and healthy. So uh, stay tuned. We've got lots of hap- lots of things happening here in the studio. Again, phone lines, and I invite your calls right now, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. As promised, I have two guests with me this morning. I have Michelle Banks and Kim Ruther, both of American Society of Interior Design. Ladies, good morning. Welcome to CAMOAX. Good morning. Thanks Good morning. for having us. Well, tell me, uh, this. there are quite a few things afoot in ASID, or this, you know, I, that's how I think of you, American Society of Interior Design. Uh, please tell me, uh, we have the Grand Poobahs for the uh, area of St. Louis. Uh, Kim, I've known you for many years, and Michelle, uh, nice to meet you this morning. Nice and, to meet uh, you, too. Tell me, uh, why are you here? What's the message today? We are here to talk about well-building standard and how to kind of bring some health and wellness into the interior design of your home. Oh, that's close to my heart. I I like that. Well-building. Wellness? Uh, Kim, as well, uh, tell me, how how long has this initiative been uh, being uh, created? I know it's a, you know, longstanding thing with the ASID or please help bring me up to speed. So it actually took about six years to develop and... um, it's been, so it was launched in 2014, mm-hmm. so it's been about five years, and they're actually just making some tweaks to it, and it's going to be the version two is actually being launched this year. Uh, can you bring me up to speed of the sh- uh, generally what that is, how that touches you and me every day? So the, um, the well building standard is a, um, let me think. That's kind of format for uh, logical good things, I would think. Yeah, it's it's basic principles are like air, water, light, nourishment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the it was basically a building standard 
um, to focus exclusively on the health and wellness of people in buildings. Mm-hmm. So it, it takes a holistic approach to health in buildings and communities, addressing behavior, operations, and design, um, fitness, comfort, you know, all those, all those elements. So I'm into buildings. I make good buildings. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily connect with people quite the same. So this seems to be kind of a bridge between who's in the buildings and, you know, what gets created. And you're trying to change, I think, how those two interact. Right. We want everybody that's in the buildings to be at their peak. So mm-hmm. to um, give them the best opportunity to um, function and thrive, whether it's an office space, a, a hotel room and or your home. All the things that you're involved with. Mm-hmm. Now, Michelle Banks, you are uh, I, I, are you president elect? Is that it? Correct. Yeah. Of the American Society here in, in St. Louis. Yes. The Missouri East chapter. Tell me about the chapter. Uh, we are, well, we have Missouri East, so I think we have everything east of Columbia and everything south of there as well, um, and, in parts of Illinois. Um, but our membership, uh, our, our national chapter, ASID National, has 25,000 members. Locally, we have about 275 members. Mm. You have a thriving chapter. I've been to several of the events. It really is impressive to see the turnout and, uh, you know, for me, a lot of old friends. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so the well-building standard, uh, I, I like where that's going. That's that's um, kind of neat to me. So uh, uh, are, are there questions that you might have for our callers or anything that you'd like to offer for our callers? Question and answer. We've got folks on the line that uh, we can exchange with you. Your choice. Yeah, we can. Or do we want to tell a little bit more about what well is all about? Yeah, we'll we'll invite some questions because it's really kind of neat. We don't have any just yet, but tell me really what well is all about, please, Michelle. Sure. Um, Well, uh, as Kimberly said, it focuses on a bunch of different areas uh, dealing with health and wellness for the occupants. It focuses more on the occupants than the building itself. Um, but there are some highlights might be um, really sophisticated water and air filtration systems. Our ASID headquarters in Washington, D.C. is actually platinum well certified. Um, and they have a screen on the wall that tells how much ozone and how much humidity and how much carbon dioxide is in the air. Um, so everybody knows what's going on, any sort of particulate in the air. Um, the lighting that focuses on our natural circadian rhythm. Um, and again, going back to our ASID headquarters, we have solar sensors. So there are solar sensors on the outside that look at the sun during the day where it is, and it raises and lowers the shade to adjust so that people don't actually have to do that themselves. Um, there are interior solar sensors um, to... Uh, register the lighting on the interior of the building so that causes the lighting up above to um, raise and lower based on whether it's cloudy or sunny outside. Um, In new buildings, windows are placed in such a way as to maximize access to daylight. Um, They encourage fitness and discourage being sedentary with things like treadmill desks. Mm. Um, They use furnishings and finishes that don't off-gas harm, harmful chemicals, and uh, they require 
uh, healthy food in the vending machines, things like that. They those are some of the big ones. They go into great detail on on about a hundred different standards, but that will include like business travel and even family leave. But mm-hmm. those are some of the big ones. Nice, nice. Well, you stick around with us throughout the next uh, hour anyway, and uh, see what we can bring forward with our callers. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. All right. Kim and Michelle, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX. Phone lines, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Bring on your calls. Bring on your questions, your answers, your favorite topics. Please recognize that it is your and my responsibility to make sure our homes are tip-top and in good shape. So take a walkabout, if you don't mind. Uh, Just take a walk about your house when it's a nice, cool morning. Get outside and look for the sticks and the leaves and the things out in the yard, out on the roof. If you have anything happening to the house that doesn't quite look right, well, you can call in and we'll talk about it here on CAMWEX 314-436-7900. Or as you walk around, think in terms of security, health, and safety. Uh, We have Kim and Michelle here to talk about well-building standards and how that interfaces between you and I, how we experience that building, how that building supports us. For those of you that have been making house payments for years, this is the concept where the house now takes care of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I understand it's, you know, so anyway, we'll talk about that. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I have Kim Ruther and we have Michelle Banks. Scott Mosby here at your service on CAMOX. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back. Home improvement, phone lines wide open, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I have two guests, American Society of Interior Design. I have Michelle Banks and Kim Ruther, both of the St. Louis chapter. Lots of things happening. Let's get to the phone lines and see if we can get started here with Maggie. Maggie, good morning. Welcome to CAMOX. How can we help you? Um, well, I had I had a question regarding my own home. I live in an older home in the city. My house is about 70 years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking for ways that I could bring some of these elements for cleaner living into my home. Okay. Uh, Michelle, any, concept, any uh, uh, response here? Uh, the first thing I would tell you to do is go to wellcertified.com or even check the Build Well app uh, that's available for Google and Android, or go to ASID.org. As I mentioned, there are about 100 different standards. Um, so I can't go into all of them here, but some of the things you can do with an existing existing home, obviously you can't change the windows um, or anything permanent, but you could um, look for furniture and finishes that don't do have any off-gassing, and that includes your flooring, uh, your furniture, your countertops, your cabinets, everything. There is there are things available. Kimberly and I are both interior designers ourselves, and um, we know that they're available. Sometimes they're a little bit hard to find, um, but you know that may be a reason to call an ASID designer. Um, but you can also um, look for things like glazing for the windows that might help uh, with things like heat loss or. Uh, reflecting the sunlight Um, you can they actually do have solar sensors um, that are available to homeowners um, that will raise and lower the shades in your home too so you could do that in your home as well it's not just a business thing Um, and then of course activity is a very important thing so I don't think they want you to have a huge tv in the middle of the house uh, because they want you to um, go out and exercise and move around and not sit still for too long so those are just a few of the things you can do. 
Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'll get online and look into some of those things. Perfect. Thank right. you. Thanks for the call, Maggie. Okay, bye. Bye now. Now, Michelle and Kim both, uh, it, it's kind of interesting, the activity, um, how we keep active and engage with our buildings, both inside and outside. I find that interesting. Uh, tell me more about things around the home. Uh, for example, TV in the center of the house. Holy smokes, man, this is the United States. I, I totally get where you're going. <laughs> Why? But keep going. I, I like where you're going. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, we spend a lot of our time at work sitting. And so the idea is they don't want you coming home and sitting down and watching TV, mm-hmm. all, you know, at night, too. So the idea is to get you to move, uh, get up and move around. And um, on the ASID website, we do have a case study of a residential home that has done all of this. And she prefers that her children have their iPad screens so at least they can get up and move around while they're holding on to it and they don't have to sit in one one place mm-hmm. um, and it's harder for them to you know find things to watch too <laughs> so uh, a little more so, controls on access exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me really in terms of moving around uh, what is the contact again for the ASID website and and how can they get on that one more time it is asid.org dot org okay um, now, Kim and Michelle, both of you bring this into your practices here in St. Louis as well. Uh, and it's kind of a, sometimes it can be invisible uh, when it's done really well. Uh, do you notice, do you, how do conversations with your clients go? Is there any resistance to any of this? And how do, how do you bring the concept to them? Uh, and really show them the benefits of that. I'm, I'm hoping the listeners on KMOX come along with us here. Well, I kind of think that actually these are things that everyone is already doing almost and they're not aware of it. So with the whole global food and health movement and the way that we're trying to find out what's in our foods, where is everything being sourced from, mm-hmm. naturally people are already kind of doing that with their furnishings and how they're how they're making their um, decisions when they're designing their home. So I actually – and I know several of my clients have already, have already been asking about how can I get my indoor air quality to be better, how can I – Um, Make sure that all of my um, furnishings, like Michelle was saying, don't have any off-gassing. So there's already those types of things that people are doing. And so many children have such allergies. Um, I actually have know several contractors that have had to research the adhesives underneath the flooring that they're installing to make sure it's not going to affect their clients' allergies. So there's already so many of that, so much of that stuff happening that the conversation is actually pretty easy to go into. Okay, well, this is a huge movement that's happening on a national level, and how can we bring it down to your home and what we what we select for your space? And for the people that are chemically sensitive, my gosh! And if you're listening, you know who you are, uh, and uh, I'm sure you've been called crazy. You've been called um, uh, out of sorts, but it, it's real. Uh, as we manufacture things around the world, we bring our favorite things home from traveling abroad. And some of those things, uh, we have no idea where or what they're even made of. So uh, kind of an interesting concept. So, well, let's go to the phone line, see what we've got cooking here and talk to our friend Wayne. Hey, Wayne, good morning. Welcome to CAMOX. How can we help? Uh, yes, sir. You're on? I have a question about my air conditioning. Yes. Should I run the blower continually, 
or should I let it cycle on and off with the thermostat? Wayne, my personal preference, uh, what I do personally and recommend is run that furnace blower 24-7 all the time. Uh, it keeps the filtration running. It is uh, very economical in circulating that air, but it's almost a free air filter. People buy these home, you know, these room air filters, and, they, you know, basically you've already got the equipment. If you regularly change your uh, air filters in the furnace and air conditioner air handler, uh, it's a great thing, and I, I think it'll cost you really, you know, pennies a day. So it's not a big dollars and cents issue. Uh, from a heating and cooling and, and comfort standpoint, it's like a big mix master inside of a kitchen. It takes the hot spots and mixes them up with the cold spots, so you get a better general average air temperature. Uh, Michelle, you're shaking your head. Tell me more. Uh, jump in here. Well, I just wanted to jump in with um, I'm a huge fan of HEPA filters, too, because I have a bunch of allergies, so mm. I, would, I would recommend that as well, but I agree with everything you said. Uh, what do you think of uh, the better whole house filters, the HEPA type? Uh, speak to that, please. Um, I, for, for homeowners who are doing things, I would say more on a budget, I would definitely stick to the HEPA filters. That's a great place to start. Um, the well building standard gets much, 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 much more sophisticated in um, uh, filtering out different particulates and checking ozone layers and all of that, and that's probably more expense than the average homeowner is going to want to deal with. But HEPA filters are a great start. Okay, thanks. So, Wayne, I'm I'm a big fan of letting that furnace blower uh, run. So where it says. Uh, Fan, the choice would be auto and on usually. Uh, I typically, in the Mosby household, it's on all the time. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Wayne. Take care. Also, for those of you that have noisy ductwork, and if you do, you know who you are. Aluminum ductwork expands and contracts. When the blower motor goes on, sometimes you'll hear that bonk, thump sound from the metal flexing. Uh, and if you leave the blower motor on all the time, there's no immediate startup pressurization that thumps that ductwork. So I think you'll find there are just a whole lot of benefits to running that furnace blower. Uh, if you have a 20 year old uh, furnace or air conditioner or air handler those motors are not so well set up to run all the time so you may burn out a blower motor oh you know five years sooner than normal but uh, if you have anything that's within the last 10 years on those blower motors they're oftentimes better better run continuously than they are on and off and on and off if you think about it getting up and getting out of bed that first step is one of the biggest efforts that uh, we encounter likewise starting and stopping a blower motor that start the stop whether it's a car a light or that blower motor it's a little hard on it so uh that's an important part uh um so interesting how we go there let's uh, see what's cooking here with jim jim good morning welcome to camo x how can i help hi i have a uh, shower door uh -huh. and a glass pane next to the shower door and the caulking or weather stripping on the bottom came discolored and I want to replace it and I took it out it appears to be a weather strip but can I use silicon it doesn't seem like the hardware store has that weather stripping piece uh, is this uh, connected to the bottom of the actual door movable frame or is this on the base of the shower door unit uh, it's not the shower door it's a glass pane next to the shower door and this on the bottom okay um, I'm, not, I'm not sure what you mean is it a rubber piece or something else Yes, it's a little rubber piece, about a quarter inch wide. 
Okay, that is actually the glazing that holds the glass in. That's best um, done. Uh, if it's next to the tile, that's the appropriate place for a caulk. If it's between the metal and the glass, that is actually a custom-made piece for that shower system, and you'll need the actual door uh, company or door installer to replace that or reglaze your shower door. I understand. So, but I couldn't replace it with just silicon or a sealer. Well, you can. The problem is, is once it gets wet and it starts growing mildew and mold, you've got all that moisture back inside the aluminum track of the shower door itself. You can caulk, clean, scrub, disinfect, bleach till the cows come home. And as long as you don't really close or or dry out that cavity back there, whether under the bottom. This is true of ceramic tile on top of the shower base or the tub, uh, shower door, all of that. If you don't dry out what's behind it, that mildew and mold will just come right through the face, whether it's rubber, caulk, or whatever. So yes, you can, and no, it won't really matter. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thanks, Jim. Good okay. question. Okay. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Michelle Banks, and Kim Ruth are here on University of KMOX. Stay tuned. Phone lines wide open. We're kind of lonely here in the corner. KMOX, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We've got the well-building wizards here with us right here on KMOX. Oh, yes, indeed. KMOX, 50,000 watts. Bosco, my pet gerbil, just whirling away in the back right there. We've got lots of things happening here on KMOX. Phone lines, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's see what's cooking with my friend Jason. Jason, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. How can we help? Hey, Mike, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I uh, want to get your advice on, on cabinet painting. I, I have a lot of oak cabinetry it just it kind of looks old it's very expensive uh to buy new cabinet and the hardware you know it's totally functional mm -hmm. but for a, a fresh look i'm afraid i got very deep down the youtube video rabbit hole and is this really a project that i can do myself and get a get a good finish and a good look i don't really want to bro a brush or rolled you know uh look on my cabinet faces just what can you tell me about cabinet painting well i appreciate replacing and I, I appreciate you're not going to brush or roll this thing so we're already on the same uh path there uh michelle and kim uh surely you're into some of this the voluntary volatile uh, volatile organic compounds voc you know help us please correct um, yes, VOCs are volatile organic compounds, and they off-gas from everything from paint to flooring to adhesives to fabrics, anything in your house. Um, and just know that you can easily find low VOC or no VOC paint out there, and that's what I would recommend you use um, on your cabinetry. But also keep in mind that since it's oak, you're going to be able to see the grain through it just not that that's good or bad. Just know that you're going to be able to. Um, but I, you know, like you said, I think um, putting up uh, usually even when the professional painters do it, they have an enclosure with, um, you know, plastic all around so that there's no dust that gets in there while they're spraying it. So I would strongly recommend using that. Um, it is time consuming, especially when you have to sand down the fixed parts of it, you know, the doors you can take off and move somewhere else, but you know, the, the rest of the kitchen has to stay where it is. So, um, you know, more power to you go for it. 
Yeah, it's labor-intensive, Jason. If you're the man for that, that's a good... And you may be able to partner with a pro to where, you know, if you're not the guy that can spray and put that finish and have the conversation about a VOC paint and all that, you may do some of the heavy, um, you know, labor-intensive part and then see if you can partner with a pro that lays down that perfect finish. That's a great idea. All right, well, I sure appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Okay, Jason, take care, my friend. You too. All right. Let's see what's cooking here. Uh, how about, uh, you know what? We better take a, uh, nope, nope. We're going to go to Robert. Robert here. How can we help you, my friend? Good morning on X. I have uh, architectural composition shingles that are stained. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend to get them cleaned? A good bath. Uh, pardon me. That, that may be too short. Um, Really, a pressure washer is what you and I might start with. Uh, getting up on the roof, first off, are you the guy that's going to get up on this roof, Robert? No. no. Oh, okay, that's the right answer, number one. Um, and next off, I would say uh, have a pro come in. Pressure washers, typically they use a pressure washer. They use very little pressure. So they'll have a wand that has a big wide spray, um, and they typically just remove that uh, build up if you've got that green moss on it, uh, a little bit of that. Most of it can be done with a hose, uh, but then when you get down to the stuff, you wind up with a um, oh mildew side, usually some sort of a bleach, um, and you know the uh, it's hard to get that stuff off. And I promise, once you get it off, if you've got the conditions from the shade, the lack of wind, the lack of sunshine, Robert, it will come back uh, in about two years, and you'll be here again. There are shingles that when you re-roof that actually have little copper granules in it that resist and fight this uh, mildecide. They have warranties that go from 10 to 15 years on those shingles. So there are other options when you go to replace this roof. But man, once you get them, it's usually environmental from big tree cover. You've probably got a lovely shaded um, <laughs> roof. Uh, but that's kind of the answer of it is uh, you're, you're welcome to call our office. We'll give you a referral for somebody to clean your roof like that. But mostly pressure washer roof cleaners, they're out there and available. All righty. Thanks so much. Good question, Robert. Take care. Bye now. Also, when you're having these roofs pressure washed, uh, some of the nasty chemicals, for example, chlorine bleach, is not good for your yard, is not good for your landscaping, frankly, isn't very good for you. So just keep in mind that you've got to rinse all that stuff down, dilute it, and that's you or me down with a hose generally spraying the, the plants after they're, you know, clean. So just be aware of that. Um, uh, ladies, uh, Michelle, a little bit about your practice. How do we reach you? Michelle Banks, American Society of Interior Design. Uh, my practice is Michelle Banks Interiors, and you can find me most easily on Instagram and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, I am also a lead certified practitioner, which means I deal with sustainability uh, of products as well, which is a little bit different from the well building standards. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, what would be your handle on the uh, Instagram? Instagram is Michelle Banks Interiors. There we go. Kim Ruther. Yes. Old, old friend of mine here. Uh, likewise, your practice and how do we reach you? Um, I specialize in um, residential and some commercial um, design consulting. And I have a website. It's KimberlyRuther.com. Spell Ruther, Ruther please. is R-E-U-T-H-E-R. All right. Well, ladies, thank you very much. Uh, and a little bit about the ASID website one more time to find out more about this. Uh, ASID.org. ASID.org. And these are the well-building standards? 
Correct. All right. Ladies, thank you for joining us. Taking time out of your Saturday here on KMOX. We're going to come back for more of this on University of KMOX right now. All right. We were finishing up hour one. Thank you so very much to uh, two interior design uh, specialists, Michelle Banks, ASID, and Kim Ruther, ASID, uh, giving us the well-building standards. Uh, For those of you who want more information, follow up on that ASID, as in design, ASID, American Society Interior Design dot. Org, O-R-G, well-building standards. So I'll see what's happening with my friends here on the phone, and let's talk with Laura. Hey, Laura, good morning. Welcome to KMWX. How can I help? Yes, good morning, Scott. I have a concrete slab front porch. has a flat roof over it with the columns and the front sidewalk leading up to that flat slab. Mm-hmm. The first section of the concrete sidewalk is raised up, so I've had a few people out to look at it. One tells me the porch needs to be raised. Another says, no, the problem is with the first section concrete slab. Any opinion? Laura, how old is your house? Oh, built about 55 years ni- old. So built 1960s, roughly? Yes. Mm-hmm. Poured concrete foundation then? Uh, you likely have a bracket on your foundation that holds up your front porch. So unless your does your front porch slope um, uncomfortable? Yes. Oh, it does. It slopes. Um, it has that slope downward. That's the way I checked all the porch slabs on our street. They were yeah. all built by the same contractor, and they all have that slight slope down. And there's no horizontal crack in that concrete slab. Okay, that front slab is supposed to have a slight slope down so the water drains off, doesn't turn into ice and all that stuff. So with a slight slope, uh, what I'm I'm working on in my mind, what I'm thinking behind all these questions, I think your front porch is probably okay, but that front sidewalk with me now, I actually have John Howard of Helitech. Do you mind if I put him into service and get him going? That would be great. All right, Mr. John. John Howard Helitech, good morning. Can you help us here with this uh, moving, sinking uh, sidewalk? Sure. Hi, Laura. Thanks for uh, calling, calling us this morning. Um, yeah. It sounds like your uh, sidewalk might be moving independently of the front porch. So mm-hmm. my question would be, is the sidewalk drop, and can you see a pore line where the sidewalk matches up to the uh, front porch? Can you see that line? You mean like where there should be grout in there? On the vertical face of your front porch, up and up and down on that part, does it? Is there a concrete um, ghost line there, visible? You mean like where the sidewalk is meeting up to that concrete slab? Yes. Um, it looks like there. There. I don't know if there was grout in some or something in there at one time. There's nothing in there now. Is it a gap? Yes. Okay, that's what we're asking. I think you have, yeah, John, my, my interpretation is it has settled, and yes, she's looking at a gap between. Yeah, it sounds like the uh, maybe the front porch hasn't done too much, but the sidewalk, we see this quite a bit, where the sidewalks drop independently of the front porch, and typically see about a seven-inch step-off. When you start mm-hmm. seeing that uh, sidewalk drop down, it gets to eight or nine inches, it's time to do something because somebody's anticipating a seven-inch drop when they step away from their front porch to say goodbye. And then they can have that trip hazard occur. So right. um, what we would do on that would be come out, evaluate the sidewalk, and see if there's any other areas along the sidewalk that's dropped. 
and just simply put some small dime-sized holes in the concrete and raise it with our poly-leveling process. So it would raise the concrete? See, the concrete is already raised, you know, on one end. Well, if one goes up, another one goes down. So, again, I hear what you're saying, but it, it's once it starts moving, and that's, John, I guess why you have to come take a look at the thing. Sure, and a lot of times the sidewalks will move independently, so they might tilt, twist, drop, and as Scott pointed out, uh, teeter-totter, just like a teeter-totter would occur. So as one goes down, it causes the other end of that sidewalk four-foot section to, to move. Mm-hmm. And so, but uh, if they would raise the sidewalk, then it would be even higher than the slab of the porch, correct? Well, that's why we asked that first question. So if the sidewalk is dropped and you see that pore line and you see a gap there, then it's the sidewalk that's moved. But if it's the other where the front porch is dropped, then we'd have to raise the front porch, and it's a very similar process. Drill holes in the front porch and raise it, and depending on the construction, we may have to put in some uh, jacks to get to lift and assist our poly-leveling process. Okay. Okay. All I, right. I, what I'm hearing here, Laura, is give them a call. John, what's your phone number there? For sure. You, you can call the toll-free number at our office, which is the 800 number, 800 246 Nine seven two one, and you're welcome to ask for uh, John Howard. That's me. That's great. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks, thanks Laura. Looking forward to helping you out with your home. Bye bye. Bye. And that's a that's a good one. What we're talking about in that poor line or ghost line is if the porch hasn't moved or hasn't moved much, and the sidewalk has dropped then typically there's some sort of a ghost line where the concrete finishers originally finished the sidewalk to the front porch. So, um, yeah. How often do you see that, John? Quite a bit. Usually it's the sidewalk that's moved, but uh, from time to time you see the front porch moving. And sidewalks and porches are, well, the porches have sometimes a, uh, a footing around mm-hmm. them if they're real thick, but many times there's like a two inches of gravel underneath that front porch and to your point. Sometimes they have a bracket underneath that, mm-hmm. so they don't move, or if they start to move, they'll crack in the middle and create a uh, a crack line somewhere along the front porch. Well, good morning to you. We missed, we put you right into service there. Uh, thanks for joining us here. Uh, uh, what are you seeing out there in uh, Helotechville? Sure. We've come across uh, one of the busiest, wettest seasons we've had in the, in the time I've been around, wow. um, and we're seeing just a lot of water in people's basements. And uh, people ask me all the time, it's like, I've lived in this house 20, 30, 40 years, never had any water. Now I got water coming in this year. And they're wanting to know why, why it's happening. And as you've talked about in your shows in the past, uh, you got a footing drain that goes around the house. And over time, that starts to clog up. And what it does, it can't get rid of those heavy rain events like it used to. No different than having a four-lane highway, Highway uh, 70, and there's a couple accidents, and it goes from four-lane to two-lane, and it's rush hour, and everybody's trying to get on that highway and it can't handle the load. So what happens with that footing drain, it gets overloaded and water builds up and it's called hydrostatic water pressure, as mm-hmm. you've pointed out, and it starts finding ways into people's basements. And yep. we see a lot of that right now. Usually when you're entertaining and you really need it not to happen, it's kind of like the breaking refrigerator, only when you're entertaining. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> if you take uh, your umbrella, you won't need it. Oh, yeah, right. There you go. So again, uh, and this is kind of an aging process. Houses that were properly built or built to the current standards back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. You know, I eat a bunch of cheeseburgers. My um, arteries clog up with things. Uh, the basement uh, drainage system plugs up with uh, dirt. I yeah. use that analogy every day. Do you really? I tell people that because a lot of times people we're seeing 
are people that lived in a home for a while and they're of age where they're starting to see these issues come up. And I just tell them, I said, it's no different than having congestive heart failure. You have to take a vein from the leg and put it in the heart and it's called a bypass. What we're doing in your basement is creating a bypass for the water. And that's what we're doing. Making it a better offer. Come here. We'll collect you, pump you out and do it in the right way. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. John, how do people contact you? Uh, to get a hold of us, the best way to call is our office number, a toll-free number, 800-246-9721, and just ask uh, to be put on our schedule. Well, we're at the top of the hour. Will you stick around a little bit for the beginning of the next hour? Absolutely. All right. John Howard, Helotech Waterproofing and, and Foundation Repair. Scott Mosby, we're going to come back for more after news, weather, and sports. Stay tuned. Much ado. All right, top of the hour, hour two, lunchtime, KMOX, Scott Mosby and John Howard of Helitech here at your service. We've had a busy morning. Uh, thank you again to Michelle Banks and Kim Ruther, both of American Society of Interior Design, uh, coming in and speaking about the wellcertified.com home. It's the well building standards. And at more, it gets pretty comprehensive. So you've got the lead certified. All that is is kind of a green ecological thing. And then you get into the well building standards, which gets to be how we experience and how we interface, how those homes keep us healthy, on and on and on. So uh, it's well building standards. And that information is available at ASID.org. Thank you, Michelle and Kim, for coming in. With me now, I have John Howard. He is with Helitech. We pressed him into service right out of the blocks here. John, thank you. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us for lunch, too. Well, thanks again for having me on the show. appreciate it. So you've been out and about. Uh, tell me more about uh, how your day and days, week, months, and year has been. You guys have been busy with all the rain. Oh, absolutely. We've been slammed with all kinds of uh, weather-related issues with the basements, uh, getting water in them. And uh, people are wondering how the water gets in my basement, what we can do about it, and uh, you know what, what's going on with the weather. And, and when this continues to happen, they want to be prepared. Wow. Well, your first question was how to raise concrete slabs. That was, uh, we really got you going right away. Sure, sure. We see quite a bit of that. You know, when you have a concrete sidewalk that has about uh, three, four inches of concrete and there's rock underneath that, a lot of changes that happen to that area, whether it be uh, roots from a a tree or just uh, changes in how the water comes out of the downspouts and comes off gutters. And as I've listened to your show in the past, um, we know that uh, a lot of these issues can be just taken care of by making sure that you have good, properly functioning gutters and a downspout that takes that water a good 10 to 15 feet away from the house. Or the splash block that dumps it right at the base of the basement foundation. It comes Uh right in. It's kind of like inviting the water to leak. My wife and I were on a walk last night and walked through a neighborhood of new homes. Mm. And every other home that's constructed, they have the downspouts dropping right next to the home. So those new homeowners thinking they're great and uh, they don't realize that they got a problem that's going to happen for them. And they might not know about it because they're new homeowners. They might not know about it for about five or ten years later. And all of a sudden, why didn't somebody tell us about that? We see that all the time. Yeah, it's kind of like furnishings. You're you're not done when the house is built. You still have to manage some of that water that, you know, it's properly coming off the roof. But, you know, there's a, a future coming right around the corner. Exactly. And the basements quite a bit have a pit, but there's no sump pump. Or they have a pit sump pump, but there's no drain tile. And I see that quite a bit. I don't know how these contractors, uh, uh, what they're doing or what they're planning, but they're setting people up for failure because you think you have a hole in the in the basement floor and you think you're good because somebody told you to make sure it's got a sump pit, which it does, but there's no pump to take the water out or no drain towel to bring the water to that well. 
then uh, you start finishing out your basement, and in 10 years, 15 years later, you got water coming in. you got to tear it all out. Yeah, and it's interesting that uh, with a sump pit, you've got a, you know, bucket in the corner. People think they've got it. But when the water leaks 70 feet away and it comes in, if there's no drain tile or collection method, it's not going to make it to that. Yeah, if you have a garden in your backyard and no hose to take the water from the faucet to the garden, it doesn't do any good. Turn the the faucet on, but the water's got to go through some type of conduit, and that's what we do. We put in a conduit around that perimeter Mm. of the basement so it allows that water to be taken to the pit, and then the pit has a pump to pump the water out. You've got kind of a slick system called the Hydroway. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, fantastic system. It was developed years ago by the University of Illinois Engineering Department, and they developed for highway edge drains, and that's why it got the name Hydroway. And for many, many years, Monsanto was making that for the industry, and now we have the patent on it, and uh, we can control the cost and offer a great solution to customers that need something that's going to take that water to that pit quickly, and our system works better than anything else on the market. Technology moving ahead. Gets discovered in a university, manufactured, and then in, in Helitech. Yeah, it's that borrowed technology. We learn from one industry and apply it to another. Um, and sometimes people think, well, no, we can only use this underneath an athletic field because it was designed for outside use, and that's not the case. And we see that in all kinds of industries where the, uh, the gum that's on the back of our Post-it notes, it was a failure to one person, but it's a success for another situation. Yeah. Oh, my. Uh, how do we reach you, John, at uh, Helitech? Sure. Thanks for asking. Our uh, toll-free number is the 246-9721 number. 800-246-9721. And website, sir? Sure. That's uh, helitechonline.com is our main website. And there's plenty of videos there to educate mm-hmm. you, just like you have your show to educate people. You go online, and there's a tab at the top. Click on videos, and there's a lot of information that you can glean off our, our website. Nice, nice. Will you stick around a few minutes and see if uh, we can press you into service just a bit? Absolutely. All right, John Howard, Helitech, thanks for sticking around. Let's go to the phone, see what's cooking, uh, see if I've got the right buttons on, see what's happening here with Danny. Hey, Danny, Scott Mosby, John Howard, how can we help? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, Keep in mind I'm on a budget here. Okay. Um, Putting a toilet in a utility room. Mm -hmm. Uh, The local supplier... uh, carries a, what you say, the Mansfield toilet. They have an $89 Mansfield toilet, and they have a $189 Mansfield toilet. I just need a toilet to be a toilet. Should I keep the 100 bucks and uh, and be on my way? Or what? what's really the benefits of spending $100 more on a toilet, I guess I'm asking. Mostly maintenance and engineering. Uh, Mansfield is a uh, primarily a retail toilet. It's a price point toilet. Uh, your less expensive ones will be all plastic. Uh, the china itself won't have just a whole lot of engineering. So the latest and the greatest generally is not in those basic models. The more expensive uh, features they are to manufacture, the pricier the toilet is. So really the difference between your low and your other model whether it's Mansfield, Kohler, American Standard, whatever the brand is, is the further up the food chain you get, the less maintenance you will have, the longer intervals it is before you have to replace parts in toilets, and the more reliable it will operate during those years. So it's pretty general, you know, consumer stuff here, Danny. So it's, you know, it's basically, you know, do you want this thing to work or not? And I don't mean, you know, just work better or not. That's kind of it. And we're in a rural area with a 
hard water off a well system. So replacing guts on a toilet is about an every two or three year deal anyway. So I didn't know, you know, if you're going to buy the more expensive one and you're still going to be replacing guts inside the tank, whether you were just, uh, pardon the pun, flushing your money away or, or <laughs> what to do. So, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Well, Danny, with hard water, you're going to replace that stuff anyway. Just keep in mind that the China base itself, uh, some of those th- things, literally the, the size of the apertures, the holes, the China are just bigger in the upper cost okay. issues. So it's like, do you want to flush a car down it or, you know, just some confetti? Yeah, and then I did do a little reading, and it said that, you know, some of them are, like, hinged to the side for easier cleaning, and I can understand where they're coming from there. So, yeah. okay, all right, well, I'll think it over, and uh, appreciate the service you provide. Yes, sir, Danny, thanks. Good question. All right, bye now. Home Improvement, KMOX. Uh, we're going to take a short pause. I promise I've got uh, John Howard chained to the desk here at KMOX from Helitech, so we're going to press him into service. John, you stick around just a couple more minutes? Absolutely. Right on. Scott and John here. Camwex at your service. All right, welcome back. Home Improvement, John Howard of Helitech, Scott Mosby of KMOX. We are at your service. Live and lively, as Mike Miller says. Let's go right to the phones and see what's cooking with Chris. Hey, Chris, good afternoon. Welcome to Camwex. How can we help? Uh, hi, how are you? Good. Um, so we live in uh, approximately a 40-year-old home, and we've been here for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, the basement was fully finished. And about six months into living here, we started finding wet areas on the carpet. Mm. So this continued for the next few months. We tore out all the carpeting, tore out some of the drywall along the exterior walls, and started finding cracks that had been patched over the years. Um, So we've had three foundation companies come out, Helitech included, Mm -hmm. and they've all said similar things to do the interior drain tile. Um, so what we're wondering is since then we've found, uh, one large crack that runs from top to bottom of the wall that had been patched. Um, we don't know if there's going to be more extensive work other than just doing an interior drain tile or not. Uh, John, are you comfortable? I mean, if you only stick your finger in three of the four holes, uh, don't pull any punches. When you're waterproofing, go the full distance because it'll figure out another way. And I turn it back to John, John Howard of Fieldtech. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me on on our program. Uh, I was listening to what you had to say, and uh, it sounds like you're on the right track with waterproofing your basement and putting in a full waterproofing interior system. But in addition to that, uh, if you have cracks in a wall, that can bring in water from the side. So I use analogies a lot when I explain things. So when you got water coming up along what's called a cove joint, where the wall meets the floor, that's called a cove joint, and it runs along that entire length of the wall. The way to correct that is to waterproof your home. You break out the floor, put in a system, and put take it to a sump pit. However, if you have a crack in the wall, that means that your boat is leaking from the side, and you got to fix that crack in addition to waterproofing your basement. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So that's, and then of course that's bringing in additional cost. I would assume. Yes, it is. Um, and uh, sometimes those large cracks, if they're open at the top and tight at the bottom, that could indicate <clears throat> that you might have some settlement going on in your home, and that would be uh, something else that we'd have to look at. And you just want to make sure you talk to your Helitech guy, and he can certainly help you out with that question. Okay. Um, there are some walls that we still haven't torn out, so I'm guessing it's best that we get all those out 
so that we have a clearer picture of anything else that we're dealing with. Yeah, I know what you're trying to do. you got a finished basement. You're trying to minimize your cost impact and, and putting everything back. But uh, you've gone down this far on this project, and you want to make sure that you don't miss anything. So I would encourage you to, to at least take the bottom 12 inches of the uh, uh, drywall off so you can expect that wall as best as you can. Um, taking off all the wall may not be necessary, but to, to do a good job, you want to take off at least the bottom 12 inches or maybe 30 inches of that drywall so you can put back a, a chair rail and minimize your uh, uh, put back. But what you're looking for is any cracks that have that efflorescence, which is that white stain that's left behind when water evaporates from a wall. And you're also looking for the bottom board and any rot that might be occurring because that would indicate that okay. that water's been coming in for quite a long time. Okay. Uh, one more quick question. We did have a contract contractor just recently suggesting an exterior drain tile. Is that kind of a waste or... It is. There's too many variables on the outside. It's just much easier, and uh, you want to capture the water at the last point of entry, which is in your basement. And what you're doing is you're creating a path for that water to go. It's a misnomer in our industry to call it waterproofing. Really, it's water management. You're, you can't stop the water from coming in your basement, but you're giving it a place to go, and you're controlling where it goes, and that's what we do. Okay. All right. Okay, great. Thanks for all your help. Thanks for your call. Thanks, Chris. Uh-huh. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah, I want to address that. On the outside, I call it Builder 101, getting the soil to slope correctly, downspouts that properly managed, John, as we were discussing at the opening. You know, you want the water to try and get away from the house, but if you've got a leaky basement, um, if you do the outside work and you have cracks in the walls and, and hydrostatic pressure, you're going to wind up still doing the inside work. You know, so I appreciate your kind of skipping on down, but there's more... Um, pain and intelligence to uh, that advice, then I want to make sure she understands that. Sure, sure. Yeah. You don't want to sort, short your sight yourself. So if you're going to take on this project, you want to make sure you do it properly. Because uh, if you don't, you're going to have to go back and tear out that drywall. You're looking for cracks. And you had the basement all tore up, and you had the yeah. best opportunity to take care of it at that time. And if you're trying to save yourself a little bit of uh, money, um, it's going to cost you more later on. Yeah, you've got it almost fixed by saving that drywall. Well... And water, almost fixed, means it's still wet. Right. Yeah. John, thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. I'm going to turn you loose on your Saturday. I know you're, you know, kind of like a one-armed paper hanger today with uh, Helitech. So thanks for coming in, and I uh, appreciate your stopping by. Well, thanks, Scott. I enjoyed it. Looking John, forward to doing it again with you soon. John Howard, Helitech. Uh, phone number and website, please, John. Sure. Our telephone number is our toll-free number, 1-800-246-9721. And the uh, website is simply helitechonline.com. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Um, have a good one. We're going to take a short pause and come back for Camwex Home Improvement right after this. All right, busy home improvement show today with guest uh, John Howard that came in. I appreciate the, you know, it's a busy Saturday, you know, families, all those sorts of things, kids and commitments. So thanks to John Howard of Helitech for coming out. Let's get right back to the phones, of which I have phone lines open, 314-436-7900, It's just you and me. Let's get to the phones and see what's cooking. Hey, Harold, good afternoon. Welcome to Camwex. How can I help? my friend uh yeah scott thanks for taking my call um we moved into a home um last december 
And um, we went on vacation about two weeks ago. When we got home, I have a stain, water stain, in my bathroom ceiling. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, I the uh, I went up into the attic on a day right after that when it was raining, and I could see water dripping through the vent hole. There's you know the vents that uh, that go out through the ceiling to uh, from the bathroom. And Is that for the water. vent fan or the plumbing pipe here, Harold? Uh, it's not the plumbing pipe; it's the vent. Okay, got it. Yes, sir. And so I could actually see, and the water comes in through that hole in the roof, and it drains and drips down through, along the pipe and saturates the insulation up in the attic. Okay, um, so we have two roofs. Apparently, the people put in a second roof, shingles, mm-hmm. and um, so anyway, I'm getting a leak. I didn't know if the uh, when they put the second roof in uh, on, if they didn't install the vent uh, pipe and the flange up there incorrectly, because there's water must be coming in underneath the shingles. Um, I was just wondering what your thoughts were, because I. I don't know if they can pull the second layer of shingles, both layers of shingles off to get down in there, uh, but we definitely have water every time it rains. It comes into that hole and then drips down on the insulation, and then it's beginning to rot out my ceiling. Sure. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, if you could be my eyes for me, Harold. Uh, when you look up at the roof, do you see a metal plate down below that vent um uh, exhaust. Yes. So you're looking at metal on the top? Right. I can see that. Okay. Then uh, it is probably that flashing or the connection because the way that flashing installs, it just tucks up underneath the shingles above it, which is on the second top layer of roof and uh-huh. then slides down, connects to that pipe. Uh, and it really, it's just like an umbrella. So the water just hits the top of that thing and then slides down that metal off onto the top of the roof shingles below it. So it's how that flashing is installed. Or if it wasn't replaced, sometimes they get old and the joints actually leak itself on the you know right. the metal fit, fitting itself. So I, this is a roof repair, and it's probably best done with a roofer or a roofer uh, handyman repair guy. It, it's not um, rocket science, but it's also non-forgiving. So every little touch, you know, everything has to be done right, although it's fairly easy to do. Would, would they have to pull both layers of shingles off, or did they try to put the top layer, the newest shingles, on? They just put that up and around yeah, the, the, second, the original flashing? Because yeah, well, I don't see any cracks on the flashing, you know, so I, I don't know if they took it off and then put it back on. I, I, I'm not sure at all, so... Yeah, the flashing just sits on top of the second roof. So properly done, they would have removed that flashing, uh, put the new roof around that pipe, left a hole in it through your first roof and your second roof, and then that flashing is really kind of a slide-in, tuck-in, add-on piece that sits mm-hmm. on the top. But it, it it is unforgivable how it slides up above the shingles uh, or mm-hmm. underneath the shingles above and uphill of that thing. So 
Uh, we've got a handyman that does this sort of thing. You're welcome to call us if you want. But if you've got a roofing company, you have a good relationship with, that's the place to go to. Yeah, and I do not. That's the okay. thing. I'm not sure what roofing company will come and do that. I don't have. I haven't had a roof done for a long time, so I don't have a contractor that I'm familiar with and everything. So basically, they need to come up and pull that out of there, I guess, and right. make sure it's been installed properly. Then, yeah. Do you have a heating and cooling company that that you're comfortable with? Uh, no, not really. I haven't had. Well, yes, I do. I do have. So even somebody like that. Could, yeah. Uh, yeah, because when they typically change the flue on a on a furnace or vent fan or whatever, they can do that. My first choice would be a roofer guy that understands shingles and the various profiles of all those. Second choice in a pinch, because I like, you know, I like using people I trust because the people I trust will say, I don't know how to do this or I do. Um, so that's why I'm offering a second choice being your furnace company. But those guys are closer okay. to a computer repairman than they are a roofer flash guy. Okay. Because some people wanted me to replace the entire roof, no. but that shouldn't be necessary. It should be just, it's probably that vent pipe, right. the pizza comes out of the, onto the roof. So, okay. All right. So I'll, I need to, do you have any recommendations on roofers? Uh, yeah, you can call our company. It, you, okay. um, it, we'll refer you to a roofer, or we can refer you to uh, you know just our own handyman. Okay. But again, it's it's a small project that takes a pretty smart bird, you know, tradesman getting okay. up there to do it. So, uh, we'll, I will we'll, do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for your help, Harold. Good luck, my friend. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Home improvement, Scott Mosby, CAMOX. Again, we get into these things of uh, how things go together. Harold did a really good job. He did his homework. He saw what where the water was coming from. Fortunately, he could see. Um, you know, I had questions about air conditioning. You know, so he, with his eyes getting up and seeing the source of the water, uh, it is pretty much a direct uh, identification. That flashing cap on the vent ductwork for that vent fan you know, it, it's a leaking situation. Um, and they're no different. They're installed the same way an attic roof vent goes in. They tuck under the shingle. The problem is if there's a, a leak in the shingles upline of that or uphill where the water actually gets underneath the flange that you're tucking under the roof shingles. I don't, for those of you that know what I'm talking about, it'll make sense. Anyway, I'm getting a little too deep down the rabbit hole. 314 436 Four three six seven nine hundred. We've got plenty of times. Getting calls are wide open. Eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Again, thank you to the ASID American Society of Interior Design uh, folks coming in. Michelle Banks, Kim Ruther in hour one. Then we had John Howard in from Helitech. Big afternoon of guests. Uh, uh, so bring it on. We've got lots of things happening. As far as seminars for those of you that have questions about roofs and flashing windows and doors, all those sorts of things. We have a seminar coming up later this month, August 24th. So it's in a couple of weekends, August 24th at the Lodge de Pair, uh, 1030 in the morning. And you can go into the uh, vent page, if you will, on the website. It's uh, uh, callmosby.com because of all that, just C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y dot C-O-M. And then look for seminars or the event page and it'll... Uh, uh, walk you through. So you can kind of get into. And, and one of the things I really want to bring forward is the concept of visual design. Um, you, you hear me talk so much about water management, keeping the water out of the, the right colors and a coordinating beautiful color palette 
is design, and that's value added. So when I hear roofers are citing, tell me what color you want and I'll put it on. That's an applicator. That's somebody that puts stuff up. Uh, but you can gain thousands and tens of thousands of dollars just by picking the right color roof, siding. If you've got brick on the house, that's important. That's one of the elements. So, ladies, you do this all the time. When you're choosing cosmetics, you have a skin tone. You have a hair color, albeit sometimes that changes a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you're experiencing some of that gray. But, again, those colors, you already have a color palette that you are, and then you're using cosmetics or colors to accentuate and go a long way, go with the flow. Well, exterior design is exactly the same. If you've got some hues or colors in the brick, you pretty much go with that. Or you change the brick. Well, that's usually not something to be done. So keep that in mind. Uh, let's go to the phones and see what's happening with my friend David. David, good afternoon. How can I help, my friend? Um, yes. Can you hear me? Yep, I sure can. You're on. Yes, um, I have a leak uh in the basement on the rim joist mm -hmm. uh the issue is that the where it's leaking is right below my porch which is like a eight by eight concrete pour okay um so my question is that can that be sealed somehow from inside the basement or basically have to take that porch off and re-waterproof uh, usually when you have a leak at the joint between the top of the foundation and the framing of the house, and then you've got a front porch built on it, uh, that concrete wasn't flashed. So think of that. It's very similar here, David, with the previous caller, it, all the vent fan on, uh, on the roof. You need something that keeps the water from getting to that place. So you can actually flash from the top or above that concrete. Um, it, You'll, you'll need to cut it into the brick or the siding so you can do that on the top surface. Uh, but the best way to do it is to pour that flashing and waterproof that before the concrete gets put on. So in my house, I would remove the concrete and then re-pour the concrete with that flashing integral so that it doesn't really matter. I am going to tell you, though, that sometimes can be done without removing the concrete. Not as well, but it can buy you some time if you don't want to do the concrete today. Um. How would you do it if you do, don't remove the concrete porch? Uh, well, then I would basically put, I would roof the wall, basically. I would put a waterproof membrane tucked up underneath the siding or cut into the mortar joint of the brick so that if, first off, water will get between that concrete porch and the brick or the siding of the house, number one. So you basically build that wall, that intersection, that whole flashing waterproof place, waterproof before you put the concrete on. So uh, water does get in there because of driving rain, snow, ice, um, and and then yeah. Uh, my issue is that the porch is our door, so it's basically my front door. Uh, so oh, that could be it because the bottom sill of your door. Now that could be removing your front door and flashing that surface. As I hear where you're going there, that could. What what's the outside surface of your house, David? Um, it is brick. Um, so I have, I've actually removed the door, replaced the door and reflashed and resealed all of that, hoping that would solve it. But, uh, somehow it seems like the water is seeping underneath the porch, uh, and then getting through that way. It's possible that water gets behind the brick above that front door. 
So even if you properly put in the door, if you have a window above that or maybe a decorative window or something, if the water water does get behind brick, what I'm hearing, David, is you may not have flashing between the brick and that foundation properly installed. So uh, uh, where are you located in town, roughly? Uh, in Chesterfield. Um, you're welcome. You need somebody to come out and take a look at this because it may not be where the concrete comes in. You're lacking that flashing, but it's also possible that that water is coming behind the brick up on the second floor if you have one and coming down on the outside or behind that brick and leaking behind your front door, behind your concrete porch. You follow what I'm saying? Yep. So, so okay, yeah, I'll have somebody come take a look. Yeah, it's it's a big deal, and it takes a pretty smart bird to do that. So uh, pick pick your uh, advisor carefully on that one because where the water comes in oftentimes is not where the water originally leaks and enters behind your brick. Right. Okay. Thank you. All right, David. Good luck. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Stay tuned. We've got uh, all kinds of fun things coming up here on University of KMOX after the Helitech Home Improvement Show right here. Yes, indeed. Scott Mosby, Hour 2. We've got Retire Ready coming on next here after the Helitech Home Improvement Show. And on through the day here on KMOX, lots of things happening. Uh, again, that seminar uh, for exteriors, which is roofing, siding, windows, door, door flashing, all that stuff, concrete, uh, is on August 24th. Lodge it a pair. Uh, you can sign up by going to callmosby.com. Right now, we're going to go talk to my friend Bob and see what's happening. Bob, good afternoon. You're on CamWex. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, wood laying around my house, uh, specifically uh, some uh, aged oak uh, four by four posts. Mm. They're untreated. Okay. And I was wondering if I could use them on the exterior uh, to uh, to build a, a you know supports for a landing uh, around my screen and porch. And oh. uh, if so, uh, like I said, they're they're not pressure treated, but they're aged and and uh, they're in great shape, and what kind of a primer would I uh, be putting on those if I can use them? Uh, those I would not use for structure. I would use above the soil. So if I'm coming up on top of, say, a concrete footing or pier, I would use a treated something. Once I get up in the air, uh, for example, before we had treated lumber, Bob, we used, we used untreated pine and, and whitewoods, uh, you know, uh, all sorts mm -hmm. of, you know, poplar and things like that. So once you get up where the air and the sun and the environment can, can dry it all out, that's where mm -hmm. oak can be done. So yes, I, I would begrudgingly use it. I'd still use something else if I could, but mm -hmm. uh, oak has such a very, very, very strong fiber, which fiber stress, which just means it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are hard as a rock, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, when you put them in, though, may, instead of just sawing off the bottom, if you leave the fuzzies from sawing off the bottom of your 4x4 four four and don't sand it down smooth, if you smooth that off, it will wick water in less. But if you just cut it with a power saw, sawzall, handsaw, whatever it is, the fibers that stick down are like little tentacles to absorb water. So make sure you sand and smooth out any cuts for untreated lumber, whether oak, pine, or, um, you know, any other white wood. Mm -hmm. And what kind of a primer would I uh, use then? Is there any uh, certain uh, specific type that you would suggest? 
Well, red oak has a lot of um, uh, tannins in it, T-A-N-I-N, uh, which is acid, so it's going to be tough on, on just boiling up. But you're on a traditional exterior paint system. Uh, I might be willing to put something on on the exterior out of an alcohol, like a shellac for a primer, but I'd water oh, okay. it down. Uh, try and get it to soak in the best you can. But okay. I would turn that that whole thing to a paint store, I'd go to a pro and say, okay, I've got red oak, it's it's dry, and they're going to ask you about how dry and all that, but mm-hmm. uh, primer and top coat, the pigmented uh, top paint, um, make sure those two get along, and most, okay. if, if it's a really dry red oak, you'll be in okay shape. Okay, good. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, thanks. I appreciate the information. Bob, you sure you want to use that beautiful red oak on a structure like that? That's that's uh, you're you're playing with gold and you're putting it in a copper application, you know. Well, I'm trying to clean out my house. I got so much, so many different materials. You know, I, my house is primarily cedar, and my deck is, and the, my screen-in porch is a, a cedar, and. Uh, I'm just trying to do something with it. Yeah, useful. I understand. Well, it's beautiful wood. I I love oak. It's uh, you know, it's part of Missouri and Illinois. If you can hear my voice, you know what how pretty oak can be. Yeah, yeah. It's it's some tough stuff. So I thought, well, this may be a solution here. Yeah. Uh, I may as well, you know, build something with it. Just realize you're buying all carbide tip blades and router. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're in the big leagues for that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I, I appreciate the heads up on that. Okay, but Bob. I do, Okay, thank you. Bye now. Bye. Home Improvement, let's see what's happening with Bill. Yes, Bill, Scott here. How can I help you, my friend? Uh, Hello. Yes, sir. I I also have a moisture problem in my basement. Okay. Tell me more. Okay. uh, I spent almost all spring and summer so far out of town and closed up my house and turned the air conditioner and everything off. And upon coming back, I find there's like a white film of moldy dust kind of almost in, over the entire house. I agree. And uh, I had a mold eradication company come in yesterday and he searched uh, mainly the basement. It's a, it's a multi-level, split-level home. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I understand, I guess they got to find a source of moisture to, to start this mold going. Well, Bill, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna propose that uh, you did it to yourself because don't ever turn off an air conditioner. In if you can hear my voice, there is so much water hanging in the air. Your source of water could be the humidity in the air itself. Mm-hmm. You follow me? I mean, we're yes, talking about 90 percent relative humidity, which means you've stuck as much air or as much water in the air as it will hold, and and that will get in your house if you shut down your air conditioning system. You turned off the dehumidifier, which keeps your house dry. So anytime I leave my house, we go on vacation in the summer, I'll, I'll turn it back. So I might, we normally uh, uh, cool it to 71, 72. We'll turn it up to 75 or 76, but no higher. And that's primarily to dry and pull the water out of the air. We don't care what the temperature is, just drying out that air. Could I accomplish the same thing by putting in... Uh dehumidifiers absolutely yes sir but they have to drain all the time and continuously and you need them throughout the various parts of the house so your blower motor would run 
and you'll need them, you know, in various places. So uh, I've seen people put them in bathrooms. The problem is, is bathrooms don't get a whole lot of ventilation. They're a small, relatively closed-in room. You, you see what I mean? So I, mm-hmm. I, I still like that you're looking for problems in the basement and the foundation because that's usually a common source. But if, if you left this house closed up with the air conditioning turned off, um, you're growing mold somewhere between two and three weeks because it's just that wet around here all the time. Even in the doggone winter, it's wet. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't seen the report yet. It hasn't come back to me. But uh, as far as I know, he didn't find like a, he was looking for a visible crack in the walls or the floor in the basement. Yeah. And I'm just supposing, do I, is is all that carpet in the basement have to be tore up and drywall has to start coming out? Everything in your house, including your clothing, is covered with this mold and mildew. I mean, because there's no place that moist air did not go. So, uh uh, without a water leak in your house, you still have moisture problems. So, yeah, I'm running out of time here, Bill, but uh, thats I suspect that's probably 80% of your problem is just turning off the AC. Okay. And everything uh, has to be cleaned and changed and torn out. So, yes, it depends how sensitive you are. So, yes, that's all part of it. Bill, thanks for the call. I'm sorry I ran out of time. Folks, stay tuned. Uh, May your walls know joy. May every room hold laughter and every window open to great possibility.